When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, my name is Casey. And I'm Daniel. And we're a married couple who recently started a true crime podcast called Dancy True Crime. That's D-A-N-S-I True Crime. I enjoy myself some true crime, so we hope you do too. Come on over and check us out. We can't wait to see you guys there. We take turns on Who Tells the Story every week. Our episodes are posted every Monday at 12 p.m. Central Standard Time. To subscribe or follow, check us out on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and Stitcher. Oh, don't worry, guys. We have a couple other places here. We are also available on Facebook, TikTok, and the Instagram. Our podcast is for mature audiences only. See you guys soon. Bye. Bye. of radio. Everybody, we are back. This is episode 226 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. And my name is Kevin. And he's back. He's not dead. <laughs> We're back. Yes. I mean, as much as we thought he might have been, he's not dead. Nah. Um, so this week, uh, I decided I'm like, you know, I we haven't done we haven't done a uh a crime in a while. We also haven't done a gangster in a while. So I'm gonna combine the two into a fucking gangster. Well, gangsters are crime. But he doesn't start off as a gangster. Okay. So, we, uh, this week and at least next week, we are going to be talking about Danny Green. Okay. As you can tell with a last name like this, not uh, not a, uh, not an Italian mobster. Uh, mm. Not even a Russian mobster, as a matter of fact. He's, uh, he's Irish. American. Okay. Green with an E at the end of it. I fucking shocker there you know so he's not from new york or chicago or even boston like those areas where you where you would usually think you know oh we, we got a bunch of irish folks here so we'll have the irish organized crime here there everywhere he's from the 54th biggest city in the country would you care to take a guess what that is 54th largest city by population in the country i don't know um 
They've, couldn't uh, guess. They've got a couple of very, well, three sad sports franchises. Oh, fuck. <laughs> and narrows it down a little bit. They also have a river that can catch on fire. God damn it. I know that river. I just don't know the river. He's from Cleveland, baby. Ah, yes. <laughs> the mistake by the lake. <laughs> uh, well, they did have... Okay, well, it depends what time era this like is. Like, currently, they have a sad sports franchise. No, 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 no. I'm asking, I'm asking what time era this is. Oh, they were still sad back then, too, because this was, you know... Um, but, you know, usually when you... The th- only reason I ask is because Cleveland... If he stayed in Cleveland at the time, I think there was a, was organized crime in Cleveland. There was, but you don't usually uh-huh. automatically assume, like... Well, because that's where Elliot Ness went. Yeah, yeah. And had his biggest case, he only case he never solved. Yeah, the uh, the torso murders. Yeah. Which were, that's another one on the list. Um, Danny Green didn't do that, just as a heads up, spoiler How do you alert. you know? Well, because he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> when, they, when they happened, he was like a teenager in that neck of the woods. He so. still could have done them. Um, but again, you know, you think Cleveland, you don't think... Irish organized crime. You think, again, sad sports. Um, kind of with the Midwest in general, aside from Chicago, you don't really think of a lot of organized crime. But there's a fucking ton of it. Because you have, like, the Savelli family, which are the uh, like the biggest crime family in Kansas City. Um, they kind of started off sometime pre-World War One which makes him one of the older ones kind of in the air, you know, one of the older ones in that area of the country. Um, and there's actually still kind of tendrils of it there today. And of course, as with any mafia, you've got some really awesome names. You've got, uh, one of the original bosses, Joseph, Joe church, DG, uh, DG, DG Giovanni. And, uh, one of my personal favorite, Mob names that I've ever heard. Charles, Charlie the Wop Corello. <laughs> Charlie the Wop. Which ah. things were not great for our, our little buddy Danny Green. Um, and this started before Danny even entered the chat. Shit was not good for him, okay? His parents, John Henry Green and Irene Cecilia. Irene Cecilia Fallon Green. That's a fucking mouthful. Wait, is it a hyphenated last name? Yes, because her last name was Fallon, then she hyphenated it to Green. Ah. But don't get connect. Don't get attached to mom, okay? So they're both 20-year-old Irish immigrants, and they have been <sighs> getting familiar with one another. What, duh. In a biblical way. Um, of course. And then... Uh, we only do biblical around yes, here. Yes, and then turns out... She's with child. No shit. So her dad finds out and goes, oh, ho, ho, you guys is getting married. Yeah. The fucking, the 10 gauge comes out at that oh, point, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, they were married by a justice of the peace, November 9th, 1933, which is right around my grandmother's birthday, which is funny. My grandmother was born, I want to say in October of 1933, but right, okay. in that, right in that neck of the woods. Um, shout out, Nana. <laughs> with your cookies and shit. Um, so Danny is born five days after the wedding in Cleveland St. Anne's hospital. Um, and unfortunately for him, his mother came from very small stock. She's a frail woman. And after squeezing this little shit back out into the world, 
she started to hemorrhage internally. Mm. So after three days in the ICU, she passed away. Um, the official ruling was that she died of an, of a, uh, an enlarged heart, which it sounds like she probably just bled to death internally. Um, because, you know, <clears throat> you have you know, a small woman squeezing some fat-headed child out of herself. It, it can cause some damage. You know, it's, it was a very common thing back then for women to die during childbirth, too. Um, True. So you got to put yourself in John's shoes here, and you'll feel bad for him, but then you won't. Okay. Over the course of the last eight days, he's gone from being a new husband, a new father, and now he's a new widower. Uh-huh. It's been a, it's been a rough fucking week. It's a lot of news. <laughs> yeah, it's been a, it's been a rough week for for John, you know. Yeah. You uh shit, yeah, like <laughs> raising a kid now on your own. Well, raising maybe a bit of a stretch. So with all that going on, it slipped John's mind completely that he has to name this child. Oh. So little Danny doesn't have a name for the first 8 days of his life. Hey um, asshole, that's what his name is. But I mean you think about it like this. He ends up just naming him Daniel after his father. Okay. But all of this happened after his wife had been buried because he had so much other shit going on. Yeah, that yeah. He kind of forgot that he had a kid. Of course. Um, so it could have been the stress and grief of everything going on, or it could have been the fact that John was just a raging alcoholic and he could barely hold down work. He spent a lot of time working uh, different places like the, Kind of bouncing between steel mills and, and Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, but one way or another, it's just him and little Daniel at this point. So the nation, at this point in time, we're coming into, you know, the uh, the Great Depression, which is not all it's cracked up to be. It wasn't as great as everybody makes it sound, you know. What do you mean? It was kind of a shitty time. It wasn't that great. <clears throat> you know, people are well, fucking jumping out of buildings and stuff. What was fucking great about that? Well, Nothing. That's what. Well, that great. It's not that great. It is... The Great Depression, meaning it was large. a large... And... The Grande Depression. Yes. El oh, Grande. Man. Mucho Grande. See. <laughs> um, so this, this obviously makes trying to find work difficult, mm. especially anything that could kind of support not necessarily little Danny, but more John's drinking habit. That mm. is the priority. This is the main objective is to have beer money. Yes. Because... Shit happens. That's what you got to do. Um, so he did eventually get a position as a salesman for the Fuller Brush Company, which I looked it up on my desktop computer. Okay, they make you know when you go into a restaurant, they have the, like the uh, waitress or whatever goes around with that little like fucking yeah, yeah. pushy vacuum thing that doesn't yeah. make any noise. They make those. Okay. Yeah. I looked it up on my desktop where I do all my research. Not I don't have Facebook or anything pulled up there. Whatever. Two days later, I start getting ads on Facebook and Instagram on my goddamn phone for these fuller brushes. Uh-huh. So, that's annoying. Uh, I did order one, though. <laughs> <laughs> oh! <laughs> Fucking ad placement. I didn't, actually. Um, Sons of bitches. So, if his, uh, if his son really wasn't a priority over his drinking, it's kind of safe to say that work probably wasn't either. Nah. And uh, John didn't hold that job for very long. He and Wee Danny would end up moving in with his father, Dan, uh, Dan the Elder. Uh-huh. You know, yeah. like Pliny the Elder, but an alcoholic instead. Yes. <laughs> uh, and it, So this kind of worked out pretty well because John's mother had also recently passed away due to, due to a unknown kind of illness. And by their alcoholic powers combined, they equaled out to one real shit parent. 
And pretty soon, Danny would be placed in the uh, the care, in quotes there, of the Children's Village of St. Vincent de Paul in Parma, Ohio. So basically, he went to an orphanage. He, he did. <laughs> it's a matter of fact that they used the word orphanage quite frequently in the, one of the books I was looking at. Um, so the orphanage, had been, orphanage, the orphanage had been converted from a farm into a home specifically for the sons of yeah. Irish immigrants that co- that couldn't, or in this case, just flat out wouldn't take care of their kids. Yeah, because um, not sure if if you're familiar with this, but most Irish being Catholic pull out game is weak. So they just breed like fucking rabbits. Yeah. Just shooting potato headed children out all over the place. Um, Cause they're the ones that bought into the whole um, immaculate conception thing. And then you have the Protestants that were like, you know, that doesn't seem to add up. <laughs> <laughs> something, something tells me that someone's being less than truthful. Yes. And the Catholics like, nah, just going to fucking shoot out kids. Cause you know, that's what we're here for. Okay, sure. Um, to the point that we have to have a farm converted specifically for all these Mick children that just their parents don't give a fuck about. Well, I mean, it was a big thing. You know? No, no, no Italians allowed in there. No Polacks, which is a big one in, in Cleveland, too. Nah, just the fucking Irish. And it's not even segregation. We need this much land for all of them. There's so goddamn many. Well, they, ha- I mean, the. I think it was more than just there, though, because, like, I think a lot of places had this... Oh, they sure did. ...going on. They sure did. Where they, uh, you know, it's it's like a trend in the United States. And it, it, it goes from, well, this group of people to that group of people, you know, and, and so on and so forth throughout history. Where it's, you know, when we can... There's people... They're, well, I mean, there's some that are like that today. Yeah, they just shoot out kids and don't give a fuck. Yeah. You know, um, because they can get more. They can get more money out of the government the more kids they have with, you know, and not get married. Yeah. You know, so it works out in nobody's favor except for them. And then they get to buy TVs and their Crocs and fucking shitty sweatpants at Walmart. Cocksuckers. Well, we walk by. And I'm struggling to pay my bills. Yeah. You gotta have a kid or something. I guess so. Yeah. And somebody to knock you up and just shoot one out. I know. I could just get knocked up, you know, that'd be great. Yeah. But unfortunately I just can't. I keep trying to convince Shelby that we should get divorced on paper. Uh huh. For the tax benefits of having a child now. Ah. Because she claims him as a single mom. Uh huh. That goes from like here to triple that. Uh huh. So like we do that and then, you know, have another kid. You know, and just, just get our goddamn money back. Get our money's worth it. out of it. But uh, anyway, <laughs> I wouldn't wish being a single parent on anybody. That's got to be fucking tough. It's got to be really goddamn hard. I, I couldn't imagine. You know? Yeah. Just a bunch of crotch goblins running around here all by yourself. My Nowhere mom, to go. My mom had to do it for a while. Yeah. It's fucking rough. Yeah. It's got to suck. Yeah, it sucked. But your mom did it at a time where you could still fucking whack your kids around if they needed it. True. You know? True. Nowadays, you can't do that. No. You know, you got two of them fucking fighting, one of them chewing on you, just slap one of them, you're going to jail. (laughs) Uh, That's my dad said. Jesus, back then, your mother could have pistol whipped children. (laughs) They wouldn't have done shit about it. (laughs) I don't know about that. Just fucking butt stroke them with a shotgun. Get the fuck out of here. Go bother your sister. I mean, I don't know about that, but, you know... (laughs) 
That's a little excessive. Yeah, but... Whatever. Whatever. Potato, you, potato, you, right? You, you at least get him with a broom, you know? All right. Swat him with a fucking broom handle. Mm. Um, so this farm consisted of 12 cottages for the boys to live in, a dining hall, a school, a church, a kitchen, a laundry room, and a powerhouse, like a little mini power plant kind of thing to uh-huh. electrocute the whole thing. Electrocute it? Yes. <laughs> Electrify? That too. <laughs> So each of the twelve cottages came fully equipped with two nuns oh, that tried son to have of a bitch that tried to give these boys some repent, you little bastards. No, actually, no, they were really cool. From what everybody that had been there had said, they just tried to give them a little bit of stability. Uh-huh. You know, it's like you don't your fucking parents don't give a shit about you. They're too busy out. So they acted more like parents, exactly. But there were nuns. Yeah, you know, not like uh, the uh, the penguin, not not, not, not a Blues Brothers nun. Does doesn't mean they still can't be. Like parents, because they can, right. you know, be that adult figure. Notice how there's no priests involved with this, because this would have just been fucking no, Candyland for a Catholic priest. No, because priests didn't uh, get involved in this. No, they would have just been handing out molestations like fucking left, right, and center. No, they wouldn't. Oh, have. man. Oh, Nuns just beat you. A priest will fuck you differently. That's true. Um, so, oh, boy. So when Danny arrived, there was somewhere in the neighborhood of 450 kids and 35 nuns on the ground. That's, wow. that's not a good ratio. That's a, that's a that's off. Yeah. Danny would spend around five years at the orphanage, and uh, his father, who's now remarried, comes to get him in 1940. Oh, yeah, yeah. of course. Because now we got some stability at home. You know, we got a well, stepmom. Well, then you also, I mean, you're like, hey, I'm a good dad. I mean, look yeah. at me. I mean, I I, yeah, I still drink like I'm fucking, like I was programmed to do it from the factory. Um, but whatever. So dad and the new stepmom are living in a tiny one-bedroom apartment, and his new mom wasn't a big fan of Danny. Mm. Uh, there's This is a bit of a system shock for him, because he goes from being in an environment where there's adults that actually care about him. Mm-hmm. They're trying to help him. They're teaching him how to you know read, write, and all this stuff. And he goes right back to his drunk, now violent, and abusive father. Um, and... Uh, so he, he kind of gets booted, backhanded, anything, any fucking infraction. He's he's catching a beating for it because it's the 40s and his dad's a piece of shit. Yeah. Also a drunk. Um, so at a, at, a, at a pretty young age, we're talking like eight or nine years old. He's running away, going back to the orphanage. That's how bad home life is, is when you want to get out of home to go to a fucking orphanage. That's bad, you know? Yeah. That is bad. So this happened with enough frequency and like often enough that John pretty much just says, fuck it and gives up on him. Like you do whatever you want. You know, you go back there. He wouldn't be allowed to stay at the orphanage though. um, Because you have to be put in the orphanage by a parent and he wouldn't do it. He's like, just so he, he ends up going back and living with grandpa Daniel um, who kind of takes him in under his wing. They live in, in a really small ass apartment on uh, like the top floor of like a, a, like a basically in the fucking projects at this yeah, point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're out on East 147th street in the, na- in uh, the neighborhood of Collinwood. This place is a melting pot for European immigrants. <laughs> they didn't let black people there in the forties. They had to have their own, their own neighborhood to live in. Cause God forbid we talk to them. Like fucking people, you know, 
Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we're talking, we got all of it. We got, you know, uh, Irish, Italian, Polish, Slovenian, Eastern Europeans of all fucking shapes and sizes. You, you know, your, your classic poor whites, you know, uh-huh. the, uh, yeah, those ones, poverty whites, which sounds like the world's saddest fucking cereal. Oh man. What's well, poverty whites? It's just a bowl of watered down milk. There's not even anything in it. Oh man, post fucked up with that one. Yeah. So now that he's got a little bit of stability in his life, he's at this point in time he's starting to get into like middle school that air, that neck of the woods, and he attends uh, Saint Jerome's Catholic School, which was a private middle and high school. Because you know, shockingly, believe it or not, he's a Catholic. Um, and, uh, they got to go there for free being Catholic and all that. Mm-hmm. Not like, uh, not like now where you're like, oh, you're a Catholic. You want to go to a private school? $150,000 a year, please. Thanks. Yeah. Lots of money. Tell you what though, the, uh, the Catholic high school in, uh, in town, all those kids sold drugs, <laughs> mostly fucking pills, which was kind of scary too. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> So he, even though he had a shit run of things, he's really, really smart. Um, but he didn't do well in class. Understandable. I get that. Uh, he did, however, excel in a couple of different things, including baseball and skipping class. Drinking. Um, no. Oh, no, no, not really. Oh, not, no, not, not really. That, not, 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 not yet. No, not yet. <laughs> oh, I thought Irish, Irish came out of the fucking womb with a bottle. They usually do. You know, I think... <laughs> I think this one at a younger age is like, man, my dad fucking sucks because he's always drinking. Maybe I shouldn't do that until I'm old enough to have my own children to beat. Uh-huh. You know? Yes. Um, I did see something that was kind of funny. So th- this is obviously before the time when your grades and your ability to play sports are linked together. Uh-huh. He was so good at baseball in high school that on the days that they had games, his teachers would let him sleep through class to make sure that he was well rested. Wow. Yeah. Like, they wouldn't even wake him up between classes to go to the next classroom. If he was sleeping, they just fucking left him. Wow. People are coming in like, shh, baby's asleep. Stop. Be quiet. Do you want us to fucking lose this game? Do you? Shut up. Do I need to get the yard sticks out? (laughs) If we lose this game because you woke him up, you're getting an Just some fucking (laughs) five and a half foot tall nun, just like a samurai with yard sticks. Just beating motherfuckers of them. Yeah. Doing spin moves and shit. <clears throat> so on the days that he was, you know, on the days where he was actually out running the streets, he hung out with a, a crowd of kids and they liked to play dice, specifically craps. Um, he apparently used to kind of take his buddies for everything they were worth playing dice. And then they'd get picked up by the cops and then they'd just get fucking dumped back at school only to be out throwing dice the next day. Because they didn't really give a shit. The cops were like, it's, you're not our fucking problem. Quit being an asshole. Go back to school. Yeah. You know, we're, we're not going to bother your fucking parents. We'll just beat you ourselves. Yeah. So with getting all, into all of this trouble and shit, a group of the nuns actually got together and forced him to join the Boy Scouts because they thought that it would kind of straighten him up and make him a respectable member of society of some sort. Oh, yeah. Um, huh. This is, again, pre being molested in the Boy Scouts. Like, was a big thing in the 90s, apparently, where 
was just full of diddlers. I don't know. Uh, sure. I don't know. My my dad was part of was part of the the group, and our our scoutmaster used to mouth off. My dad would take him outside and threaten to kick his ass. So, yeah. Um, but hmm. yeah. So, so while everybody else is helping old ladies across the street and turning how to, learning how to tile these knots and stuff, he's just out fucking throwing dice again because he doesn't give a shit. Probably out there in his little kerchief and his little gray, little tan shorts, just yeah, throwing bones, doing the three finger thing. Like that's how much money you owe me, bitch. Three bucks. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I, I have no clue. I don't know the whole fucking, like... Oh, it's a Scout's Honor thing. You do the three fingers and, like, you gotta go off with your thing. I was never in the, the Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, yeah. whatever. I I stopped going because I realized that I was learning more shit just hanging out with my dad than I was there. You know. Motherfucker doesn't know how to tie a, uh, how to tie a you know, a swivel on for lures and stuff to go fishing. You don't need to be a Scoutmaster. Fuck out of here. Go back to whatever you were doing before, you weirdo. Um, having asshole children is what he was doing. I remember both of his kids, and they suck. Um, okay. So, obviously, you have to go to meetings for Boy Scouts. You know, you have your... You do? Yeah. You, yeah, you have your weekly things where you have to go and try to learn how to do some bullshit, start a fire out of whatever. I don't have a clue. So, like I said... So uh, that's why I said you do. Oh yeah, yeah. You go to, I have you go no to meetings and clue. shit. They're usually in the school cafeteria. I just thought you fucking like you know, hey, you took a fucking test or did some shit or you went on every. Oh, so it's not often. like going for your driver's license. Well, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> uh, all I know is like I hear like my brother talk about how you know, hey, uh, went and did fucking this this weekend or whatever. Hey, go like camping and shit. You know, like my fucking my my oldest nephew went from like this to like this and fucking like. One, one sitting because he did all... I don't know. I don't even know if he's still even in the fucking Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, whatever. Eagle Scouts. I don't know. Yeah. Or if you're into dogs, you can go Beagle Scouts, I think. Oh, Beagles? It's pretty cool. Huh. Um, so he only attended like three or four of these meetings before he was just done with it and bored. Yeah, he's like, fuck this. The last meeting that he attended would end in panic and hilarity when Danny gets bored and he crawls under the tables. Um, he proceeded to... Sty- <laughs> I can't even get it out. He tied his Scoutmaster's shoelaces together, and uh, he gave him a hot foot. A what? Well, we'll get, okay. So a hot foot is when you basically very, very carefully slip something into the back of somebody's shoe. Uh-huh. And you set it on fire. Oh. Baseball players used to do it to each other all the time, on the, like, in the dugout during fucking, like, rain delays and stuff, like, back in the 70s. Uh-huh. Oh, there were shitbags about it. They'd, you know, wait till you were, like, up on the stairs just standing there, and somebody would come up behind you, and they'd slide a wick in the back of your shoe and just light it. Just, just, just for shits and kicks, because setting people on fire is fun, apparently. Um, so, uh, he thought this was just the fucking, the best thing ever. Uh, his scoutmaster did not agree with him, and uh, once he got his his feet off fire, he picked him up and physically removed him from the Boy Scouts, threw him outside, and he was never allowed back in again. Okay. Yeah. Hey. So during his latter years of high school, get the fuck out, kid! <laughs> you son of a bitch! I'm gonna find your father and beat him up. Like I hope you do. He's a piece of shit. <laughs> Please go find him. I'll give you his fucking address. He's a cocksucker. <laughs> Beat his wife up too while you're at it. Yeah, it's the forties. You're allowed to hit women. God damn it. So uh, maybe I don't think so. 
I, I, I think you can still legally hit women in Cleveland. It's just, it strikes me as one of those places where they're like stuck in the 80s, you know. They they just got to see Major League Two in theaters. Ah. Fucking COVID really put a damper on that. Yeah. They don't realize that their team's the Guardians now. Uh-huh. Just the gayest thing. They should have just gone back to the Spiders. Gone old school. Cleveland Spiders is one of the original teams. But, you know, we got to be all fucking janky. Even though the Indians, even the logo and stuff was done from a place of love. It wasn't a stereotypical thing. Their old one was super fucking racist. Then you have Chief Wahoo, which looked awesome. And he was based off of a guy that played for him. But, you Just know. how it goes. Bunch of pansies. Washington football team, my <sighs> dick. Washington football team, your dick. Yeah. They should have just changed their name to Washington has been eliminated from the playoffs. Ah. <laughs> it would have been so much fucking easier. Um, <laughs> that, I, 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 yeah. I can't disagree with that. Yeah. Cleveland could do it with their football team, too. Cleveland has been eliminated from the playoffs. Cleveland, who gives a shit, you know? They got eliminated from the playoffs in fucking April. Like, they hadn't even gone to, gotten to spring training yet. And, no. uh, you know, they're, they're like, they they're walking walk into spring training. Yeah. I'm not, we're, we're not feeling it, guys. Just take the year off. You, you guys are eliminated from playoffs already. Yeah. Any contention you might have, you're eliminated. Well, what if we finish first in the uh, league? A uh, division. Nah. You you couldn't finish first in Division Three high school, yeah. so get the fuck out of here. I, We're going to put you up against a senior a, a senior high football team from Alabama, and they're going to beat the dicks off you guys. Yeah. Uh, so, during his latter years of high school, he made enemies with a crew of Italian kids. And they used to beat the shit out of him on the regular. But we all know that there's a couple of things the Irish enjoy. Drinking and a good fight. You know, and uh, he's often outnumbered, you know, three or four to one. But he gave it almost as good as he got it on, on most occasions. Uh-huh. Uh, Grandpa Daniel finally had had enough of the fighting. and He ships his ass across town to St. Ignatius, which is another Catholic school. Uh-huh. This trip... Because it's, you know, th- this is pre-fucking school buses and Uber shit. This trip required him to take two different city buses to get there. So you have to take one all the fucking way out here and then connect to a different bus to get to school. Jesus this is a dude that doesn't want to go to school when it's two blocks from him. You really think he's doing that? No. Not a fucking chance. So, again, it doesn't last long because... uh this this school had a much lower tolerance for his bullshit than the other one did. Yeah. They're like, nah, just fuck off. And they sent him back to the other school. <laughs> his grandfather's like, no, 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 he's got to go here. And somebody from the school goes, no, I don't fucking think so. He's going back to that one. So now he's back with his fucking, you know, Italian nemesis. Nemesis. Uh, More than one nemesis, yeah. Yes. Uh, I learned that from Resident Evil, actually. Because uh-huh. there's two of them at one point. Um, so his 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 Italian buddies are like, oh, hey, you're back. Let's kick your ass again. Um, but sometimes he did bring it on himself. He he did start shit every once in a while. Uh-huh. Um, he would uh, he'd run into him in the, in the hallway and he would hit him with the uh, with a couple of different ones, including, uh, quote, greasy fucking Dagos, which, you know, I get it or. The classic fucking guinea to their face. Uh-huh. And this would usually result in him getting getting into a fight. So around his senior year, he had had enough of school and just decides, 
time to move on. Of course. Things aren't working out. I think we part amicably, and yeah, I just leave. Yeah. Well, you know? I mean, what's, what's you know, you I mean, know. you, you got to do what you got to do. You go your way, I'll okay. go my way, all good. You know, I mean, <clears throat> just how you got to go. So he, he like did, we never met. Right. But he did it the right way. He got his grandfather's permission to oh. leave school and also to join the Marine Corps. <laughs> he was like, listen, old man, I'm fucking going to leave and I'm going to join the Marine Corps. How do you feel about that? Yeah. Grandpa, the same name as me. I'm leaving school. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, all right, all right whatever. Just... What, are you, what are you doing? What are you, why are you going to leave? I'm going to go to join the Marines. Br- all right. Bring me two whiskeys on your way home. We'll call it a deal. <laughs> you know? um, so he obviously went through boot camp at Paris Island in South Carolina and spent most of his time in the Corps on Camp Lejeune, hopefully not drinking the water because he would help. He probably would have had mesothelioma by now. Uh, no, but uh, back then you could. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think it's just a, a generational thing. You just don't drink the water at Camp Lejeune. Okay. It's like going to Mexico. You don't drink the water there either unless uh-uh. it's in a bottle, you know, because they'll give you the shits. Yeah. Um, so he's a natural with firearms. Um, and he would end up becoming a firearms instructor in the Marine Corps. Um, and while he's in there, he also does the second most Irish American thing ever after becoming an alcoholic. He takes up boxing. Oh, okay. okay um, yeah. Both of these things are going to come in handy for Danny down the road. Boxing and being good with guns. Okay. Okay. I can see where you're going with this. So he, he's having a hard time keeping himself out of trouble. Um not getting into enough shit to get kicked out completely. Mm. Um, but he's just getting shipped from base to base until his enlist in, yeah, until his enlistment finally runs out. At which point in time they'd go, listen, you're not re-enlisting. We're not going to let you, but silver lining will give you an honorable discharge. Okay. So it doesn't look like we're like, no, fuck off. It's congratulations. Now you can fuck off. So this is what? 50s, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay, so he he avoids because he avoids World War II because he's too young. He avoided Korea too. He you didn't have to go to Korea. <clears throat> oh. So at this point, he wants to travel a little bit, see the world. So he moves to New York City, and on December seventeenth, nineteen fifty three, he marries a woman named Julia Tears. Kind of an ironic last name. Um. Pretty soon, they move back to Cleveland, where he gets a job as a brakeman in the railroads. Um. In the same neighborhood in Collinwood where he grew up. I had to look at what a fucking brakeman was because I wasn't sure. They're the guys that are on that are uh, out on the the, uh, the rails yeah, switching yeah. shit. Yeah. So you can like, you know, and, and that's technically a, a, a what the fuck they call it a switch man. The brakeman are kind of like the guys that that slow shit down. Yeah. You yeah. know, I don't know. I'm not a fucking railroad engineer, obviously. I didn't even play Railroad Tycoon, so I couldn't tell you. Roller Coaster Tycoon, though. I played that, that a long time. Right. I used to play it a lot. I loved it. Me and my I also fun. played Prison Tycoon, which was fun. Never played that either. Oh, it's great. I used to play uh, uh, Roller Coaster Tycoon on my PC. Yeah. It's the only way you could. Yeah, it's true. So everything's going great. Happily married. He's got a decent job. Fucking slinging brake handles and stuff. Life's good. Until a few months later, when he finds out that June was already legally married to another man when they got married. Oh, what? So he kicks her ass out. 
obviously. Of course. Uh, Files for divorce in 1956. And coincidentally, by the time the divorce has gone through and been finalized, he's remarried to another woman, this time a uh, waitress named uh, Nancy Hegler. Okay. So not saying he had something going on on the side, but he moves on quick. That's all. The now happy couple would go on to have a pair of daughters. Um, Jesus Christ, guys. Sharon and Colleen. Fucking hey. <laughs> Tell me you're a Mick without telling me you're a Mick. Oh, my mom's name's Sharon. Her sister's name's Colleen. Yeah, they both got fucking red hair. Yep. Called it. Um, I wouldn't have said that. I oh, I would have. I would. I no. I wouldn't have guessed that. By the name Sharon and Colleen. I mean, uh, those uh, aren't like. Uh, there's no. Uh, there's no Spanish going on there. You know. We don't have a fucking Maria kicking around. Yeah, but it you could know. be like they could Sharon could be could be English. Same difference. Not really. Sharon Green. Colleen Green. Okay. Fucking just Okay. Whew. Um five foot nothing fucking They'd beat the fuck out of you though. Possibly. You know they would. Because they're like five foot two and four and a half feet wide of the shoulders. Smoking cigarettes and drinking whiskey all day. That bitch would fuck you up. <laughs> That's the kind of woman that you could refer to as a tough broad to her face and just go, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> I'm a tough broad. I'll kick your dick in. <laughs> Please don't. Um, so now with two kids and a wife, the Brakeman money isn't really cutting it anymore. So talks to one of his uncles who got him an in at the local... 1317 of the ILA, which is the International Longshoremen's Association. Okay. Anytime we start talking about unions and the Irish, there's crime to follow. Uh-huh. <laughs> See our Westies series. Um, that one didn't start out in the union. It ended more in the union, but still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're married together. Yes. So as a member, he'd show up to the docks every day. He'd show his card to prove that he wasn't a scab trying to sneak in to you know, steal work from a, you know, a fucking do-paying union man, you know? Yes, you don't do that. No, you don't do that. Not in, not get your goddamn legs broken. Um, they took that shit serious. Oh, fuck yeah, they did. Um, so he's out there. He's unloading ships that are full of, like, grain, iron ore, cars, other shit like that. Your, your typical fucking dock worker stuff. Go watch season two of The Wire, and you'll understand exactly what these guys are doing. Except in that one, there's human trafficking going on. Probably not here, but maybe. Who the fuck knows? Bunch of Eastern Europeans. They, they might be sneaking prostitutes in. Never not know. saying they are. They might be. Possibly. It's not far enough west for it to be sneaking in Chinese immigrant prostitutes. These are like fucking, you know, Svetlana and her, her crew. Getting uh, snuck over on a cattle car somewhere. Okay. Um, so, and at this point in time, during his breaks, Danny gets really into reading. Starts getting books about his Celtic ancestry and stuff like this. Um, any book that had anything to do with the ancient Celts or anything like that, um, he was all about it. He's reading books about Vercingetorix and Brennus, who are two... Uh, Gallic warriors that fought valiantly against the Romans and got their fucking mustaches slapped off their faces. 
Um, not from his, not from his, uh, his, his mother and father's native country of Ireland, but right. you know, <laughs> but, uh, but I mean, Celts nonetheless, I guess, um, Brennus actually did a lot better than Vercingetorix did. He kind of pushed the Romans back a little bit. Yeah. And Vercingetorix was just like, ah, we're going to hang out here and then I'm going to sneak around the back. Yeah. And then you're going to put me in a cage and then draw and quarter me once I get to Rome. Yeah. Vercingetorix did fucking. He was a bad pretty. motherfucker. He, he held off at, in, in a fucking. You know, in one spot for a long fucking he, time. He did, but so then, but then, but then they put him in a cage and brought him back to Rome and paraded him around and then drawn and quartered him. I thought because... they, I thought they actually killed him there on no. site and then they fucking paraded his ass around. No, I'm they, pretty sure they didn't kill him there because he offered himself as. I guess he offered himself more as a sacrifice to let his men uh... in the city free. And no, C- they fucking because and cause, Caesar, uh, who was there, was like, yeah, sure, fuck it. No, because Julius fucking was like surrounded it and yeah. held it off. Then he's like, all right, let's go in and fucking fight. Then after the whole thing was done and they had killed him, he was like, he was fucking great. He was valiant. He was this. a hell. Of, he was a fucking yeah. fantastic general. Yeah, I mean, but they paraded him around after they he they killed him. I, because they fucking he died on the. Uh, I no, you know. I believe it was the other way around. If I remember correctly. I don't know. I'm not gonna. I won't. Uh, right. <clears throat> but, split hairs, but but this makes him think. You know, hey, my ancestors fought the Romans all the time. Romans are nothing more than old timey Italians. That's why I hate Dagos. He's connecting dots here that aren't there. <laughs> He's fucking Charlie Kelly in the mailroom. <laughs> Not it's always sunny in Philadelphia with red string smoking cigarettes. I don't think the Irish fought the fought the Romans. The but... Celts did. <clears throat> Different Celts though. Yeah. But so did the Britons, which would have also probably been some of his heritage because if if there's one thing the English in general like to have done the Irish, it's fucked them any way they can. Physically, financially, you know, geopolitically, probably. yeah. Um but yeah, he's <laughs> so Nancy eventually gets sick of his shit. And in 1960, she files for divorce, claiming gross neglect of duty as okay. the cause. So basically, he's a shit husband. He's a shit father. I want him gone. So Danny doesn't waste any time. He finds a new Nancy. This one is a Kelly. Cause, you okay. Know, uh, with who he would have two boys very quickly, Daniel Jr. and Michael and a daughter named Kelly. So. <laughs> If this woman leaves, right, if she takes her old name back, she's going to have a daughter whose name is Kelly Kelly. Uh-huh. Which is very unfortunate. Well, no, she'd still have the last name. Of- Unless she changed it back. She, well. No. She could, ch- if she wanted to change it back to her maiden name, she could. Yeah, but that's like a whole process. It is a whole process. And they wouldn't do he that. Could, he could have. Be like fucking, you know, Daniel Daniels. Yeah, Ugh, your parents would... hated you if they did that. Yeah, they wouldn't do that though. It was usually, well, you took your father, you took the father's last right. name, and gave but it to the you kid. know, if he was a real piece of shit and you wanted to distance yourself, you could do that. So back down on the docks, Danny has earned his Danny has earned himself a reputation as what's called a dock walloper. Pretty self-explanatory. Um, no, explain it. Well. Anytime there's a there's an argument or a disagreement, um, instead of going to the head of the union or the dock boss, okay, somebody's bullying you, being a shitbag, you go talk to Danny, and then Danny goes and quote talks to them. Oh, 
and then they stop being a dickhead. Maybe uh-huh. sometimes they stop coming to work there. Uh-huh. Maybe sometimes they go find a different doc to bully somebody uh-huh. on because they got the brakes beat off them by Danny uh-huh. Green. Okay. Um, remember the whole boxing thing? Yeah. He put it to good use. Okay. He, uh, he didn't fuck around. Um, and it wasn't always just his hands either. If he could get him get his hands on something close by, like a, a fucking a pry bar that they would use to, you know, open doors on these containers and stuff, he'd grab that and just beat his ass with it. Of course. Whatever he'd get his hands on, you know, including his own hands. Oh, yeah. Um, so with negotiation skills like that, he quickly became an unelected leader on the docks. You have a problem, you go talk to Danny. He'll mediate it or he'll beat the shit out of one or both of you. Uh-huh. Just to make sure he gets the right of, one. Of course. You know? I mean, that's what you got to do. Um, so he kind of expanded his reputation after he has a run-in with a uh, with a dock official by the name of Sigvald Re- uh, Refnes. That's a okay. fucking name. R-E-F-S-N-E-S. I, I don't know. I'm just going to call him Sig because I love easy it. enough. Um, so he's making the rounds one day, checking on everything. And he finds Danny asleep in a cargo hold and fired him on the spot. This was not a, a real popular decision with anybody on the dock, mostly Danny. Yeah. Um, so not long after that, uh, a chunk of machinery, quote, mysteriously takes a tumble and hits, uh, hits our old buddy Sigvald here um, and injures him enough that it would actually cost him his fucking leg. Oh. Um. Nobody was charged for the incident because it's an accident. These things happen, you know, pretty common knowledge amongst the boys on the dock that Danny was behind it. But apparently our buddy Sigvald Siegfried. He didn't didn't have any recognition of it, though. He wasn't a real he wasn't a real liked guy. So it wasn't taken as a fucking a, a giant loss to lose this giant flapping rectum uh-huh. just running around being an asshole. So yeah. nobody's real upset about no. it. No. Of course not. So may come as a shock, but uh the unions and the docks and the in general were you know they're pretty fucking corrupt. No. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? Couldn't make that up. You Couldn't make that up. Jesus Christ. Uh, again they're straight up fucking people. How do you I, dare talk again say if, something like that? If you need to see uh, if you need a <laughs> quick understanding of how corrupt the fucking docks were, go watch season two of The Wire or go watch fucking On the Waterfront. Um That's gonna come up again, actually. Um So in this case, the head of the dock workers union went by the name of Walter Weaver, and he was a big proponent of the shape up hiring model. So how this works is basically everyone would gather first thing in the morning at the gates. He would handpick who he wanted as his foreman for the day. And then they would go handpick whoever they wanted to come in and work. Okay. So best way to make sure you're getting picked is you kick a percentage of your paycheck over to the boss, maybe to, to your direct boss. And then it goes to him too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I you mean, know, you could have cut for a cut. You're, you're making money. You're going to get paid that way. So in 1961, someone goes, unknown someone, of course, goes to the regional head of the union and tells them about this and says that uh, Weaver is, quote, running the docks as if he owns them himself. Hmm. So he's taken bribes, which it was a common practice, but it wasn't something that you're supposed to do. It kind of just looked the other way. As long as it's not becoming spoken about, it's fine. Whatever. 
So needless to say, they're having an election, and uh, Weaver gets canned. Uh-huh. Over the course of just a couple of years, Danny Green has gone from just a fucking bum that got caught sleeping on the docks to, you know, maybe, maybe causing grievous bodily harm to a co-worker to the boss of the fucking docks when he is elected the head of the Great Lakes ILA. Yeah. The 1317. Um, <laughs> won't be the last time we hear from this guy. Ed Kovacic. A Cleveland detective had this to say. He's very charismatic, and he was always, uh, <clears throat> and he was also very tough. That's what you need to become the head of the Longshoremen's Union. So, right there, I think is where we should take our break. We'll come back. Um, we will finish up this part of the ballad of Danny Green. And uh, oh boy, <laughs> we're not even going to get into the crazy shit this episode, really. So now that he's the boss, Danny doesn't waste any time making some improvements and updates to the ILA headquarters. Uh-huh. He uh, he Irish this place up something fierce. He has the letterhead changed to Kelly Green, um, had the main interior walls painted the same color, Kelly Green. He had thousands of Kelly Green ballpoint pens made up and handed out to the uh, handed out to the dock workers with the ILA symbol on them. Um had the bylaws reprinted on nice crispy white fresh paper, and you guessed it. Kelly Green Inc. Um, he then this had so Kelly Green the the easiest way to describe Kelly Green is the suit of the Lucky Charms Leprechaun. That's Kelly Green. Aha. Uh-huh. The most fucking Irish tone of green you can find. Okay. Yeah. Um, he then had this pinned to the brand new Kelly Green bulletin board. Bought himself a nice Kelly Green Cadillac to match it too. Mm. Um. Newspaper reporter came around uh, to write a column on the new updates to the headquarters, and Danny told him, quote, Before I got here, HQ was a storage crate with a light bulb on a cord. Uh, So let's get to his office, though, because this is where it gets a little bit different. Every wall in his office had had framed pictures of all the big-time Irish-American politicians uh, from former Governor Al Smith, uh, who at that point in time was running for president, uh, James A. Farley, who was the postmaster general. And next to his desk, he had a bronzed bust of JFK uh, before his head was exploded, obviously. You, uh-huh. <laughs> you don't want the after model bronzed. Well, that, I mean... That'd be kind of rad, actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Anyway, um, so he had the JFK bust, and he also has Jackie. So they're facing each other, right? Because uh-huh. they love each other and stuff. Of course. And in between them... Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Galvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now he's got huh rfk no between them he's got in a nice little display case by all accounts with a little light in front of it so you could see how pretty it was and stuff. A mint condition Kennedy 50 cent piece. Oh. Yeah. Also pre-head explosion. 
Um, Obviously. So now, now we got to talk about some of Danny's boys on the dock. His inner circle, if you will, consists of uh, Chauncey and John Baker, Keith Ritson, who was apparently a fucking psychopath. <laughs> From what everybody who ever met the guy said, he was a goddamn nut job. Um, Kevin McTaggart, who was uh, Danny's nephew. Leon Skip. Oh boy, I forgot this name is going to be a pain in the balls to pronounce. Ponikvar. Um, and an ex-boxer by the name of Arthur Sneppinger, um, who was also an explosives expert, which is kind of handy to have around, you know? Um, Danny refers to these guys as, quote, the Grievance Committee. <laughs> the Grievance yeah. Committee. Th- this is the equivalent of having that fucking <clears throat> grenade on your desk. Yeah. This is complaint department taking yeah. over and it's got one on the tag. Yep. This is less cringy than that because these guys are going to go out and fuck people up just hey uh i like that guy's shirt okay we'll beat his ass and throw him in the water if you want okay cool go for it yeah um so we all know that uh you know any self-respecting i'm gonna use the term gang even though they're really not you know they need their colors every gang's got colors and danny's got the perfect fucking color he's got some goes out and finds his uh He's got a, a tailor. He has some custom leather baseball jackets made up, you know, with the white sleeves and shit. You want to take a wild guess what the main color of that jacket was? Green. Kelly fucking green, buddy, with white sleeves. Jesus Christ. Tacky motherfucker. <laughs> I am so fucking good. I, you know. So the primary workload that these guys took on was keeping members in line by any means necessary. Uh, one of the guys, uh, one of the guys gets arrested. Okay. And he's interviewed by detectives and he says to him, quote, if a union member complained, he got a beaten. If someone went to the cops, they'd catch a beaten. If anyone spoke ill of Danny green, they get two beatings. <laughs> so you don't fuck around with, with Danny green or anybody associated with him. Yeah. Okay. So word of some of these beatdowns gets back to deck to uh, detective Kovacic and he pays green a visit. He's got this to say. Everything was green. Everything. Danny Green was all green. When we asked about the beatings, we went. Uh, he went to do his act. He started preaching about the struggles of the working man, and I looked at my partner and told him, "Hey, we just met Marlon Brando because that's a scene out of the out of uh, that's a scene out of On the Waterfront." Then he went off about the Italians. He called them just about every ethnic slur in the book, and I think he even made some up in describing the Italians from Collinwood. It's pretty obviously. Uh, it's pretty obvious he didn't like him. No way. Fucking shocker, right? If so, you could see my shocked face, I know it's it's the most shocking face I've ever seen yeah. somebody shocked with. So the the uh, the goddamn why can't I say detectives? The detectives left without arresting him because obviously nobody pressed charges. You know, because we don't want two beatings, do we? Um. So Danny also did a lot of shit that previous union member like union presidents didn't do. First of all, he had his office completely walled off. Uh, up until then, any member could just walk in and you walk up to up to the uh, the union head's desk because it was just a desk in the corner. Yeah, you, that was part of the union was you could go in and you could talk to the the direct supervisor face to face like a man. No questions asked. You could just walk right up to his desk. And talk to him. Yeah, yeah. Not the case anymore. Nope. 
He has a phone installed outside of his office that only rang the phone on his desk. It's a one-way, closed circuit, whatever the fuck you want to call it. This phone, you pick it up, and mine rings. And he could look out the window while there's some dickhead out there with a phone to his ear. He could look out the window and go, I don't think I want to talk to that one. And just stare at him until he hung it up and walked away. And he used to do that shit. If it was one of his guys that he liked, they'd come up and fucking, they'd pick up the phone and he'd be like, He'd just look out the window, wouldn't say, wouldn't even pick it up, just go, you know, wave him in. So, he's a shitbag. Like, he, he, he's let the nice. power. Nice, here comes Joe. All right, I'll, I'll talk to Joe. No, don't even. Is that Keith? You fuck off, Keith. We don't, get the fuck out of here. Start slapping a bat on the desk. Yeah. You know? Um, so, also, when it came time to pay your dues, instead of going up and handing them to him in an envelope in person, you dropped him through the fucking slot in his door. He also raised union dues with no warning, 25% across the board. And he shit cans 50 members that paid their dues late or that weren't paying on a regular basis. And because you can't just fire a union member, you have to have a reason. And he would just start spreading rumors. You know, so-and-so's a drunk. So-and-so lost his house. So-and-so's getting divorced. He can't hold down a job anymore. We got to get rid of him. And nobody would back him up when it came time to, to fire him. There's still people out there that disagreed with Danny. And when they voiced their displeasure, they'd be visited by the grievance committee. Grievance committee. Uh-huh. You know, be like, hey, listen, we heard you had a problem. Now you got a bigger one. And uh, they'd fucking beat his feet or something. I don't know what they did. They did some awful shit. So he loves being in front of the camera. He likes being quoted in the newspapers. He's a media whore. Uh, so whenever there's a union strike, he'd make sure that his guys were out there in droves and they would, they're filling out the numbers and he's also making sure that his guys from the 1317 are the ones closest to the camera so that their logos getting seen with the you know, local 1317 underneath it. We're getting the name out there cause we're, you know, we're going to fucking big dick the entire city. Of course. That's what you do. Um, then, you know, boss man, Danny rolls up and one of his favorite quotes to throw in front of the cameras. So he would say, I want you to know that these uh, I want you to know these are my men from local 1317 who are out here doing uh, doing their duty on the picket line to protest the unfair treatment of the union members on strike. Pretty boilerplate shit, but he he liked to make sure that, you know, whatever news camera was there saw his face saying that. Of course, that's what you did do. So back on the docks, he's now he's got a he's got a very interesting way of dealing with difficult shipping companies, okay? The ship boss gets pissy with Danny. He would, uh, he'd tell his guys, uh, do me a favor when you're unloading these ships, just trash the fuck out of them. They're breaking lights. They're fucking disabling machinery on the ships. They are just being a menace to society. Uh-huh. Uh, kicking windows out and stuff. Just, just doing some goddamn damage to these boats because their boss was pissed off because he's not making enough money off of the shipping company. And if he's not making enough money, that means you're not making enough money. Uh, so we're just smashing stuff up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, that's how you have to do it. And if this didn't work, if this wasn't enough of a sign, occasionally Danny would go out there with his fucking revolver and just start taking pot shots at the fucking ships. Okay? <laughs> and uh, more than once, Jesus. this would just scare the bejesus out of the captain and the crew, and they would take off half unloaded. Just fuck it. We'll go to a different one. It's just unload. Um, 
Of course, this is all before digital tracking, so you could just scratch off whatever port you're going to in your logbook and write the other one in. You know, reasoning, psycho. Um, so on one occasion, a company of stevedores, which are dock workers, uh, they're on the payroll of a shipping company directly. So these are guys that live in the area that work for this company that uh-huh. is supposed to unload this ship. Yeah. Danny doesn't like that. No. And he makes it known that I don't like this is bullshit. Yeah. You're coming to could... my dock. You're yeah. taking work. You're taking food off of my guys' tables. Not happening. No, because it's supposed to be the union guys that were doing that. The exactly. Dock workers, not some not fucking... a private company. Yeah. So word gets back to the ship's captain, and he decides that he's going to completely bypass Cleveland in general, um, and they're going to go to uh, Ashtabula, which is about 58 miles away from Cleveland. Danny hears that this is going on, and he shuts down the docks in Cleveland, all of the goddamn docks, because he is the union boss for Cleveland. Shuts down all the docks orders all of his guys from 1317 to go up to fucking Ashtabula and picket their asses off. Because this is bullshit. We're losing money. These guys are coming in and doing our work that we are, you know, unionized to do. Uh Not happening. So when the regulars at the dock show up, they're greeted by a wall of pissed off guys and nobody dares to cross that line, not out of respect, but more out of fear because they know just by looking at the you know the, the patch that says local 1317 these guys are connected to Danny Green and I don't feel like getting my goddamn legs broken I'll just go home I'll skip today yeah um so when the stevedore crew shows up he sees what's going on and Danny finds the supervisor and pulls him to the side kind of convinces him I guess would be the word to get into yep. his car and they go to lunch Okay. So they go in. Are they going to oh, lunch? They go to lunch. Or are they going to lunch? They go to lunch. Oh, know, oh. Sit down. Oh, okay. You know, uh, okay. Airstream diner, I'm assuming. You know, big, hey. big fucking stainless steel diner. Hey, nothing wrong with those motherfuckers. There's not. Their food's usually really good. Yes. So Danny gets him in, picks a table, gets the guy situated, you know, hey, get a coffee, whatever, order. Then he comes back in with this giant goddamn bottle of whiskey and just plops it down <laughs> between them and says... We're going to talk this out. So Danny had this really neat trick where he looks like he's taking these just heroic fucking pulls off the bottle and he's really not drinking that much. Okay. The stevedore supervisor, on the other hand, is completely shithoused before his breakfast gets there. And before he gets poured out of his cab back at the docks, Danny has a legally binding signed document for the company, uh, Best Labor Services Company, which this stevedore represents, saying that they will be doing all of their business exclusively with the docks that Danny controls. Uh-huh. Um, and then when the union leader for the Ashtabula area gets there, Danny informs him this is now territory being controlled by uh local 1317 have a nice day uh-huh he's relieved him of duty and taken his <laughs> his territory he's doing some real some real fucking mob yeah, boss yeah, like yeah, gross yeah. shit here okay this is my territory now so get the fuck out yeah um you have a great day yeah i enjoy have a nice one you know 
So he also works out a deal now with every ship associated with that company that comes through his docks Uh before they are allowed to tie off. There's a $4,000 payment that needs to be made directly to Danny Green. That's going into the Danny Green retirement fund, which is just for him. Okay. Okay. This this is not to be shared with with anyone. This is uh, off the books. Uh, retirement fund uh, uh this is not going into a, a fucking roth ira this is going right under the mattress at home okay um in a really short period of time he's gone from being an absolute nobody fucking bum sleeping in a, a, a shipping container uh-huh. he's now a known member of society he's out having dinner rubbing elbows with all these local politicians and through the politicians believe it or not because they can be corrupt i don't know if you've ever considered that, but politicians, no. you know, nah, I mean, through these guys, he makes a connection with uh, some gentlemen from an organization called the Mayfield Road Mob, which are tied to the Italian organized crime syndicate that's running Cleveland's underworld, basically. Um, so one of the one of the cool places that he'd go hang out with his new Italian friends. Surprisingly enough, he actually enjoys the the company of these spaghetti vendors uh-huh you know um and it's not benders i learned that it's spaghetti vendor not spaghetti bender yeah i used to use that one a lot but yeah spaghetti vendors because they sold spaghetti stuff so one of these places he'd go hang out with his new italian buddies is this place called the theatrical bar and grill worst fucking name i've ever heard for a nightclub um but this has been a a mob hot spot since the 40s he had people like fucking like Frank Sinatra was a regular here when he was in the area. Um, it, it was just one of those spots where, you know, all the cool guys are going here, but they're yeah. also doing business in the back room. Yeah. 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 You know, um, so he, he starts doing some scheming here. Um, first of all, he meets this, you know, this pretty little waitress and he convinces her, Hey, you don't need to wait tables. You can become my personal secretary. And then uh, he decides, I can't have this hot pot. You know, this I can't have this hot piece of ass driving around in a pile of shit car. So he buys her a brand new fucking car. Okay. Okay. Well, of course. I mean, you, you, why would you want to have her riding around in a piece of shit? Yeah. How do we pay for this new car? I can hear you ask. Yes. Oh, uh, oh, I, oh, okay. I'm asking. So that. we're we're kind of we're kind of gonna we're, we're we're coming down to the end of the episode for the week here. We pay for this new car by raffling off the old company car. Okay. Fair enough, right? Here's the sleazy part. Here's where it gets real. Here's where it gets Danny Green. Okay. He informs every union member in good standing that they will be buying tickets for this raffle wasn't a choice you're buying tickets thank you for your contribution yeah okay so his goons go out and they start handing out books of tickets with an attached note on the outside of the envelope quote you have been issued five books of tickets for which you are responsible regardless of whether you sell them or lose them the face value of these tickets is thirty dollars per book so you're given five books of tickets that are worth thirty dollars a piece uh-huh one way or the other, he's getting fifteen hundred bucks. Okay. From you. Yeah. Everyone. Yeah. Don't think a car costs that much. 
Wait, was it 30, 30 times five? It's 150. 150 bucks. Yeah. So he's getting $150 from every union member in good standing. And you figure that's probably it's probably well over a hundred guys. Well, that's that's 15, everybody's buying tickets. Fifteen thousand. Yeah, but back then, a car didn't cost fifteen thousand dollars. I'm gonna say a car probably cost. What year is this? Uh, early sixties. Sixties. So I'm gonna say you get a brand new car for like three grand. Yeah, something like that, maybe. Yeah, no, hold up. Let's. Uh, Maybe, I mean, it depends what kind of car. Just, just for shits and kicks, let's do this. Let's go 1963 Cadillac Coupe de Ville because that's an expensive one. Price, brand new. Okay, so yeah, so say it's 1960. It was uh, let's say around three thousand. Yeah. So, I mean, okay. Even being generous, call it $5,000. You get a fully loaded car that'll do everything but shit little gold nickels, you know? Well, that lo- fully loaded wasn't very fucking fully loaded back then. No, but you know what I mean. Compared to now. like well, I'm talking <sighs> Corinthian leather interiors, okay? That was top of the fucking line, even though it, Corinthian leather's not a real thing. It was pleather, is all that is. Yeah. <laughs> it's fake leather. I you mean, paid more like, for it. you had... I mean, this is back when they had fucking ashtrays. Yeah! In the back seats. These motherfuckers didn't have seat belts or airbags. No. No, you got into an accident. You got fucked up. But, yeah, so you figure... In the air conditioning? That was rolled down the fucking windows. Yes. Two by 60. Roll down both windows, hit 60. AC. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, you figure he's he's pulling in about 15 grand for a car that probably cost him four at the most. Where's the rest of that money going? Not back to the fucking union. But uh, we'll come back with some more Danny Green shenanigans next week. Um, th- this is going to get very interesting. I, I'm I'm in the middle of two different books on this topic, so it's it's been fucking hectic. I'm going between one on my Kindle and one, you know, physical book. Yeah, uh, physical book is Paddywhack, which is written by uh, T.J. English, who is honestly, I think I can speak for both of us. The primary source that we used on the Westies episode was his book, The Westies. Yeah. Yeah. He is such a good goddamn author. Yeah. I've got, uh, I've got Patty Wack. I've got Havana Nocturne, which is uh, about the, um, the Cuban numbers running schemes that used to go on in New York back in like the 50s and 60s and 70s. Uh-huh. Um, got Where the Bodies Are Buried, which is, uh, oh, I'm sorry, no, Havana Nocturne, I think, is the one that's about the links between the mafia and the government when they tried to kill Castro. Uh-huh. Um, I've got where the bodies are buried, which is uh whitey bulger and the corporation, which is the numbers running schemes. Um, and I bought that one because there was an episode of Joe Rogan where Joey Diaz was on. <laughs> and actually I think Joey Diaz and TJ English were both on there because as TJ was explaining things to the book, Joey's giving him information that he didn't have before. He's like, "Oh, I was the numbers running when I was a kid. This is what it, this is what happened. We'd go to we'd go to this place over on this street. We'd talk to this woman. She'd give us the numbers. We'd go over here." And he's like, "Holy shit, calm down." <laughs> he's like, "Chill. I didn't." He's like, "You got to slow down." <laughs> he's like, probably like trying to fucking make mental notes or something. But yeah, um, <laughs> fucking fantastic author. Nice. So, nice. Um, yeah, we'll come back and I'm not sure we'll we'll finish Danny Green next week, but we'll 
get further than we are now. Okay. For sure. All right. So, well, with that said, uh, if you're looking for your next pair of headphones, earbuds, Bluetooth speaker, look no further than studio.com. Go check them out. They got it. Uh, put whatever you find in your pa- basket and go to checkout. Put the promo code of DarkWindows15 in to get 15% off your entire purchase. Also, head on over to patreon.com forward slash dark windows podcast see i was waiting for you to go like to go jump into there because it's it's your favorite thing for five dollars a month yes you can stop sponsoring sponsoring those starving children they don't need your money anymore no you know who does we do do. five dollars a month yeah that's less than a coffee at dunkin donuts (laughs) it truly is that's half the price of a fucking medium at at starbucks i don't think so Um, it's the price of a half dozen eggs at this point in time you Probably. need eggs. You need fucking extra content is yeah. what you need. Fuck baking. Five bucks. Also, uh, go over to your social media stuff. Yeah. Go over to, you know, Facebook, Dark Windows Podcast. Uh, Instagram, Dark Windows Pod. Twitter, kind of, sort of. Dark Windows Vaguely. Pod as well. Yeah. Uh, we kind of mostly just, we don't really post too much stuff on those. It's just basically saying, hey, you know. A new episode up. I don't really do anything on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly just new episode. We kind of, I don't know. I mean, we. I gotta say, we do more on Facebook lately. Yeah. It's because I think that's the the platform that we're both most comfortable with. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, basically, it's just new episode you know, notifications. But um, also uh, another thing, Facebook. We'll get on there. We will fuck with you on Facebook. Yes, for sure. we will. Uh, also, you can find us on any major platform yep. that we're on. But if you can subscribe, do so. And if you can review, yep, do so. And if you if you don't want to pay for the Patreon, just please, 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 just listen to the ads. I know it's annoying as shit to have I to know. sit through like sixty seconds of ads in the middle of a show and at the beginning, at the end of it. But it helps us. That's that's the only thing we ever ask yeah. you to do. I mean, you know, it doesn't cost you any money. You can just fucking tune out, and then once you hear the dulcet tunes of one of our voices again. Tones is the word I was looking for there. You know it. Um, also, one more thing before we go. Uh, another one of our own has uh, has their own podcast that they're actually, they're up to episode eight at this point in time. Um, I have gone and listened to a couple episodes. They actually shouted us out on one of them, which is kind of fun. Uh, it's the Danzi True Crime podcast. It's D-A-N-S-I True Crime. Very good. Very good show. Um, I've been talking back and forth with Dan. Um, and I told him, like, listen, I can't really find anything to criticize. Okay. Like, my only thought is, like, the further you guys go, the more comfortable you are talking into a microphone, the better it's going to get. Yeah. So there's not, like, ah, I didn't find anything to complain about. I find shit to complain about with this piece of shit that we do every week. Of course. All the fucking time. You're a complainer. 100%. Um, I'm a perfectionist and I suck at it. <laughs> um, but with any luck, I will actually be playing a ad for their show on this episode if i can get it to download correctly because my computer was being a dick that's okay so and uh once again i apologize for for us not having an episode last week i got well, COVID. here's the thing though i got the vid here's the thing though is i know you don't pay attention but there was an episode last week oh well i don't know <laughs> i had one that i had all the research done like in the can ready to go and it was like remember there was a that week that we didn't record there was a week that i didn't get on to play call of duty so I was bored. I'm like, I'm just going to record an episode. So you recorded an episode and didn't tell me. I did. I did. It was a surprise. Wow, what I an want, asshole. I just wanted to see how much you really paid attention. <laughs> I threw it up on Patreon first. That was our last week's Patreon episode. Then it went up well, Tuesday of this week. I'm not a Patreon member. 
Because it's just fudging the numbers. You don't have to be a member, but you could just like. You and I could... don't listen to podcasts really because I fucking don't have time. Excuse the punk bitch. Whatever. I don't have a job where I can sit at a desk and fucking. You listen need to, to shit. quit your fucking job and get a desk job. Quit being a <laughs> pussy. Do it. Anyway, I make almost as much money as you as you do, and I sit on my ass all day. You probably make more than I do. I get to work Saturday. We don't have any fucking appointments Saturday. You know what I'm going to do? What I'm going to do Saturday? Oh. I'm going to type more shit about Danny Green at work Saturday. Oh I'm going to get paid to work on this shit. Well, that's good. Which is awesome. So. With that said, just because you can't see out in the dark doesn't mean the dark can't see into you. Well done. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.